Welcome to the Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. It's episode 41. It's our Halloween special. I'm Ali Matu, and I'm joined, as always, by H.A. Conrad. How's it going, Conrad? Going well. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this spooky episode. Uh, What are we talking about today, Conrad? I don't know how spooky it is, but it's interesting. We're talking about... it's more spooky than normal. I guess. Uh, We're going to be reviewing the uh, pilot uh, episode of Constantine, even though, I guess, due to American following, it's Constantine per the series. But I'm calling it Constantine. Rhymes with Valentine. It's so confusing to me. He's a British character. It's a British comic. I know that somewhere in the comics they kind of changed it over, but sorry, folks, it will always be Constantine. Just saying. I've been spending so much time practicing calling it Constantine because I was calling it Constantine, and then you would always correct me, and then I saw the pilot, and I'm like, wait, which one is it? So, yes, I was very confused. Um, And in the crossover today, it's Constantine, Constantine, whatever your pick, versus Ripley, and we have a pretty interesting question um, that we're going to be asking today. Magic or might, what power would you choose to fight off monsters? What's in our top five today, Conrad? Uh, Top five is our top five favorite monster hunters. And I think this will be an interesting list. It'll be especially interesting because right up until two minutes ago, I thought it was top five monsters. So I completely changed my list last minute. So we'll see how well my list I'm sure you did okay. (laughs) So, um... Constantine, <sighs> Constantine, we'll go back and forth to see how much frustration you can tolerate. <laughs> so Conrad, this is a character that is completely new to me. Mm. I know nothing about this character. I never read any of the comics that he's uh, based in Swamp Thing or Hellblazer. I did not watch uh, the movie starring uh, Keanu Reeves. There, there, that movie does not exist, really. All right, so that's just, we're just that's like that American Godzilla movie. We're just pretending yeah. it didn't exist. Yeah. Okay, so I, I came to this knowing nothing, but this is a character that sounds like is near and dear to your heart. Uh, this is an interesting book. I, you know, I knew a little bit about Hellblazer. Uh, like I had read a few of the the graphic novels, but I hadn't read. Um, my friends Leah and Mike actually had you know all the all, like. They are insane, not insane, but like crazy. (laughs) No, like they have like this crazy graphic novels collection. Um, And one day I was like looking through and and Leah was kind enough to lend me all of her books and I read them pretty quickly. It was it was pretty awesome. Um, But um, so was that the Alan Moore run that you read? She has all of them. So, you know, those were I had read the Alan Moore um previously and then there is a like you know because there's a vertigo hellblazer and then there was sort of a dc reboot and Um, the vertigo was vertigo is a lot darker um in terms of the storyline that was now vertigo was bought by dc was that correct is that what happened yeah so this was before when they had a little bit more independence and they were darker and then it was became an imprint of dc so dc had the rights to it so they launched a bit a softer version but still probably darker than other characters yeah and i mean the storyline overall uh, is it's really dark so i was kind of like how would you do a series with this character in the backstory how do you clean it up because i mean this is darkest of the dark and i should say before we get into conversations here that some of the the comments in the storyline align are of an adult nature mm. uh, no swear words but the content that I, I just discussing it we're gonna have to talk a little bit about it Sure. So I, I, and, and, I want to warn people, you know, if, if you're and, listening with your kids, please don't. <laughs> I, and that's a good point also to say we're going to spoil the pilot episode. Although, again, we're spoiling a pilot episode, not right. the whole season. So, I mean, if you're interested in figuring out if you want to check out the show, feel free to listen. But if you want to be spoiler free, then don't. So for for our audience who doesn't isn't familiar with this character in the backstory, what is it from the comic <laughs> perspective 
Well, I mean, from his origin story, and and they touch upon a little bit of this, although they don't go quite as graphic, but um, he is born... Um, and and he does cause his mother's death, and they they mention this in the in the pilot episode. But he also had a twin who he strangled um, in the womb. Oh wow! And he and part of the reason that his mother dies is because of a previous abortion that she had had, oh, and wow. that he, she had been pressured to have by uh, his father, which is why his father is so guilty and does reign. A lot of hostility and abuse upon uh, John Constantine. So, is so, the is the alcohol storyline and the uh, the abuse that he receives from the father is that true to the comic? Yeah, it is. But there, I mean, there's just a lot more to it. Um, and yeah. then his character is very dark. They're touching a little bit on that. He's definitely an antihero. Um, and I and I will say, like looks wise, I, I think they've got him pretty down. Although he's not in some of the books. Part of the interesting thing about this character, which you and I have talked about before, is that he's he's older. Like he's an aging, you know, kind of a middle aged character in some parts of the stories. Um, they don't keep him eternally youthful. Mm-hmm. Which is that's what cool. I think. So that's so unique. You usually don't see that in comics. You might see um, characters in different eras, and you might see them, you know, like Wolverine and Days of Future Past with the grayness right. there. But that's about it, you know. But that's about it. You don't see um, characters age, and you so rarely see that in most storylines. Even in Doctor Who, the character regenerates, and he, he might be thousands of years old, but you don't see him age. But that's different for Constantine. Right. Time. Time. I don't know what to say anymore. So, um, but anyway, I mean, so I mean, there's and there's so much. I mean, obviously, when you have when you have so much material to work with, you're go- when you're doing a series like this, you're going to have to keep some stuff. You're going to have to cut some stuff. You're going to make some fans really unhappy. Um, well, but- what was it about this character that you were hoping to see? carried forward into the TV um, show. You like, know, what, I, I admit, I didn't, when I first heard it was coming out, I was excited. Um, then I heard some of the things going on with it. He's also like, <clears throat> he's a pretty, um, let's, like he, he is, I wouldn't call him pansexual, perhaps he's pansexual, but he, he's, he gets it on with a lot of people, you know, like he's, and they kind of wiped that off of it. Um, off the character. Um, well, in fact, the executive producer said in those comic books, John Constantine aged in real time. Within this uh, tomb of three decades of comics, there might have been one or two issues where he's uh, seen getting out of bed with a man. So maybe mm-hmm. 20 years from now, we'll we'll have him uh, doing the same, but there are no immediate plans, which right. was really kind of a very insensitive and sort yeah. of a fu way of saying we're not doing any of that. Yeah. Um so that upset me just because that's part of why he's kind of cool. He's also, you know, there's a lot of parts of this like he he has a smart mouth, he he is witty, he says different things, but he's also kind of a jerk, you know? Like so he he is a true anti-hero. Um he's very cynical and and constantly smoking too. Oh right? yeah, which is if you noticed in the show, he's carrying cigarettes or stubbing them out, but you you they're not going to show him smoking. I don't that's, think that's gutted. Which which is surprising now in this era of Mad Men, and I know Mad Men's on cable, and this is on network TV on NBC, but it's surprising that that aspect of the character we was not brought to the TV screen. Um, so you you began to hear that there's some aspects of this character that were gutted, but I'm still you know we'll we'll get to what our thoughts are about the TV show, but I mean, what is it about this character that? is so compelling or made you read all those all those comics is it the the anti-hero-ness how different he is how, uh, how it's a little bit of that he's really into punk rock which at the time when i was reading it i was like yeah because <laughs> um, i i first you know these are um he he's like um it's just an interesting storyline because you normally you know what it is it's kind of um it's because he is he is fallible, mm. and it's it was kind of an interesting character to have, and it's not surprising coming from Alan Moore because he has his characters often have a lot of flaws, yeah. Um, and that was kind of a cool thing. He still does the right thing most of the time, but he also is surprising you when he does the wrong thing, you know. So yeah. Um, and there's 
just just a lot of the storylines were pretty interesting i thought um and it just it, it, at the time especially it was it was something new um or something different um and i think it's also why i like the sandman comics and why i liked watchmen and so it's just sort of not it it's not the whitewashed um superheroes that you often sure. see it's it's a bit more raw it's mm-hmm. a, uh, it's a character done in a more authentic fallible kind of way I, I get that so with all that being said we had this uh the pilot just aired uh last week last friday it's the last of these um of this comic book season that we're seeing where we have flash and gotham and agents of shield and the uh, the spin-off show to agents of shield that's coming out um and uh uh, uh the arrow is that right green arrow or the arrow arrow what's Era. That's right. Um, so this is the last of those shows to premiere. So with all that being said, um, what did you think of Non-Est Asylum, the pilot episode of Constantine? Um, there were some things I really liked about it. I, I thought some of the effects for a TV show were pretty good um, and kind of gross. Um, <laughs> I thought that they were, you know, clearly this is the, the episode where they're giving you the exposition. This is this is John Constantine, and this is why he is. And I feel like a lot of pilot episodes, they tried to cram a lot into it, and sometimes a bit too much. Um, I really thought it was a shame. I mean, uh, we already knew reading some of the the reviews leading up to to the show that the um, the female character Liv gets written out at the very end in a very awkward fashion. Yeah, that was really strange. Um, um, and, and you know, it's kind of like, it's a little disappointing because it's like, okay, so she there just to intro everything. Clearly they had initially had a different idea when they first started it. and She was um, going to be the one of the main characters yeah, of the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and it's Liv is played by uh, Lucy Griffiths. Um, yeah. And, you know, so we found out really early on that she was dropped right after the pilot, which is... You know, and and the character that they're they give you a hint at at the end of the pilot uh, is Zed, and she's pretty cool. Um, and I think just from just a lot of a stronger character, especially a female character, to throw into this. But it's like, why even intro Liv? Um, it seemed a little yeah. bit weird. Her character was pretty weak. All of her lines were weak. She did a lot of like screaming and being annoying. Um, yeah, and I, I don't blame the actress here. I think she didn't. Really, there wasn't really much in the role. It was kind of a impatient, uh, annoying a character. No, uh, I'm not blaming her for it at all. I think it's yeah. it's the, this is definitely the fault of the writers. Um, yeah. There were so many ways they could have played that, and they didn't play it well. So I certainly don't blame her. But I thought it was an odd choice. To, and then the awkward writing her out at the very end, I thought was super strange. Yeah, it um, just it, it it was a clunker. Yeah, it was a clunky way to end that episode because you spent all this time investing and understanding who this character is, and they keep talking about her father. And yeah, and uh, then suddenly she's gone. Yeah, uh, she decided to go away, and we'll put a shield charm around her. She'll be fine. Um, and they, you know, and they intro some some key characters. They intro Manny, uh, the great uh, Mister Perrineau, uh, who you remember from Lost, I would imagine. Well, there was he was there's from two Lost, there's and then two also characters Jeremy Davies, yeah, um, as uh, Richie Simpson. I was it's kind of watching this and i'm like whoa these are you know these are two of my favorite characters yeah like, no i knew so i knew you'd be characters. i knew you'd be excited about that yeah i was pretty um, excited and I, I hope a friend of the show Derek bishop gets to see this show and have that moment of lost uh awakening as well <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so so manny uh harold perrino plays uh manny who's this questionable uh guardian angel and mm-hmm. uh richie's the hacker um and so, you know, so they're physical expert. Yeah. Yeah. But they're and so they in the interest introduce Chaz, who um, has the ability to come back to life, clearly. So they're they're introducing little aspects of this. Is, is he a character from the comics? Yeah. Yeah. OK. And he's um, got that ability. He he doesn't die or what? what how does uh, that... Yeah. Um, and it's like <laughs> even in the even in. um um even in the not real movie with uh, Keanu Reeves, with Keanu Reeves, they kind of had the character who is played by uh, 
Shia LaBeouf, who's like the ca- taxi driver. That's kind of what it was based on. Shia LaBeouf was in that yeah, movie? Yeah, exactly. So you're seeing where I'm coming <laughs> from, right? Yeah, no, I, I can't. Uh, I, him and Keanu Reeves, I can't see together in any movie. Um, I don't. I just don't see that working. Yeah, um, but I mean, well, but Chaz in the in the in the graphic novel, he is he's the sidekick. Um, he also later on kind of does his own little spinoff thing. Um, so he has his own adventures here and there. Um, well, let, let's talk about the principal lead here. Matt Ryan plays uh, Constantine, um, and I actually really liked this guy. Um, no, again, he did, he did a pretty good job. Um, you know, I he looks the part. He's, he walks the walk. Um, I, you know, I didn't have any problem with him there. Um, I think there was some overacting going on generally, but across the board. And some of that, I think, was to fit in some of this stuff. But you feel like he's in control. He handled the, the little witticisms well. He, he had the wit. And you know what he actually reminded me of a lot? Maybe it's a British accent, but it reminded me of BBC's Sherlock. Yeah, and a little Benedict bit of that going on. Yeah, and uh, it reminded me of that role a little bit, and and I like that. I, I was good with that. Um, the only thing I didn't like was his tie, just how un, how loose it is. And I no, know that it's like that. <laughs> That's I know part it's of like it. that in the comics, but it looks so ridiculous taken into a, into a live action show. Like he can have it loose, but just kind of like tighten up a little bit because it just looks ridiculous that opened up. Um, but maybe that's just me. Uh, but I, I really liked him as um, as this lead. I, I, I thought I thought overall the show was uh, was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And now this isn't necessarily my genre. The, the demons, the ghouls, the ghosts. Um, I'm not into that as much. Um, but that being said. Um, and as someone who hasn't read any of these comics, doesn't know the character, I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I thought for a network TV show, this was something I could actually get behind. And Liv's character aside, um, I was invested enough to keep going with this show, uh, which is much more than I can say about Gotham. Um, yeah, I, and they, I mean, they also, I mean, it just this whole show was full of Easter eggs. So that was also there was definitely a nod to what the fans here. What were some of those here. things? Yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, um, there is even from the first scene. There's me- like because he's in the asylum, um, mm-hmm. and the you know there's there's a few different things within the asylum that are, are mentioned um, in in the graphic novels. There he has quite a long stint in the the asylum. Um, it's, um, and here they mention, I think that he's in there like six months, which is definitely not like <laughs> in, in the, in the original story, he was in there for like years. Um, and it's mm-hmm. the, um, the Raven Scar, uh, psychiatric facility. Um, and so that's, uh, that's pops up here and there. So I have a feeling that's going to show up again. Um, there's, uh, the doctor in this who, you, you know, the person that was sort of analyzing him. Mm-hmm. He pops up other places, um, and um, you know he also. There's a little uh, Batman connection there too. How so? Uh, he's like the chief so. administrator of Arkham Asylum. Arkham Asylum, really? Yeah, oh, that's I, cool. Yeah, so that's kind of you know going on. Um, there's you know um, there's a lot of mention of Newcastle, which is in line with the story. There's um, they have Astra in there, who is like. Um, she is a main part of the story. They they clean her up a little bit for this purpose um, because she actually in the in the stories has a pretty uh, terrible past. Part of what what's going on is that she's looking to gain power and to take control of her life because she's been sexually abused mm-hmm. in the graphic novel. So this is like I don't think they're going to go there here. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and there's you know and there's tons of stuff. Um, there's also especially when they are. Um, in the house where they're looking through all the different things there's like a lot of little um little nods to dc comments uh, com- i felt like that 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 helmet that, yeah and that popped up like in the trailer was something it's what? the helmet of fate um the which, helmet of yeah fate. okay so yeah. what is that <laughs> um it's the helmet of dr fate um okay. and I don't he's know this he's um 
he's some he's a character that kind of like it's the Dread Pirate Roberts. He's like uh he was with the with the Justice uh Society of America. Um and you know, so but but many different people have held it, including a monkey, and have become Doctor Fate wearing this helmet, so that's kind of a thing. Um there's also uh like there's tons of stuff in that room. Uh, I, there was one thing that a few different fans mentioned that I didn't really see. Um, there is um, an Ibis stick in the background when she's looking at the helmet, which is um, that is it's the totem um, for Ibis the Invincible. Um, so that's like it provides like unlimited power, and Shazam is the character that kind of locked that away. So, uh, yeah, so there's, like, a lot of stuff, and, and you know, DC is going to do the ad, that adaptation soon, so there's, like... Oh, really? Yeah, so there's a ton of, there's a ton of that stuff kind of, like, out, out there. Um, well, this is what... And so I got, like, maybe 10% of the references that you just mentioned, which shows my, my Marvel loyalty here. Oh, well, uh, I will tell and- you that, like, some of this stuff, I didn't... I watched the show... And then I had I had seen sort of the, some of the trailers because the the helmet of fate, Doctor Fate's helmet, like that thing had popped up in the trailer, so everybody was talking about that. And then yeah. after the show premiered, people were talking about some of the Easter eggs. So I definitely caught a few of them. Like that, yeah. the helmet was kind of a gimme, but I didn't catch all the stuff. Like apparently, there's um, a, like the uh, Medusa mask, which is you know. <laughs> that's that's kind of somebody i don't know how people realized it was there so i feel like somebody from the show must have said hey did you know that was in the room um (laughs) but that has um you can if you wear that you can project emotions onto others yeah so it's it's kind of like um and there's like that's actually kind of a cool power well and there's like three different pieces to that or something like that um so there there's like a lot of stuff like that within the show well, so so there's two things I want to say here. One is you mentioned the psychiatric facility. And, you know, I, I think I, sh- I have to, in these cases, mention that um, I didn't like how the this inpatient facility was, was shown. It's not very realistic. Situ- situations are much more humane than they are oh, there. Oh, but this is an evil psychiatric facility. I know, I know, but I need to mention these things because this is where people get their ideas. And with the electroshock therapy, that is something that still happens for severe depression that isn't responsive to other forms of treatment. Um, but it, ha- it doesn't work like that that necessarily uh we saw a dual lobe shocking nowadays it's only happens on one side and people are usually sedated so you don't see that uh the response that you see there so that that's a disclaimer i have to say that and there is memory loss associated before and after um ect electroconvulsive therapy but i just got to mention that but getting back to uh this canon here and my my psychology disclaimer aside um I was surprised um, that this came from David Goyer. Um, he's been sort of in my uh, he's been in my naughty list uh, since San Diego Comic Con, where he mentioned he had some um, negative comments to say about She Hulk um, and Marvel and um, some things about that that we don't need to get into. But you know, he's done <clears throat> he's been involved in a lot of DC adaptations. And I actually think he did a pretty good job here in um, building a world that I wanted to explore a little bit more um, in in the next episodes. And I didn't walk away with feeling like that in, in Gotham. One of the things you and I talked about is how all these characters kept revealing their cards and it was kind of hitting us over the head. And you compare that with the way uh, some of the uh, these nods to the greater DC universe were handled in, in this show. I think it was handled with much more grace here. Uh, this felt like a show that was really um, uh, a great starting point for a much larger universe that we're about to discover as this uh, show uh, unfolds. So my props to... To the producers here, um, I think it's well cast. Uh, I thought the effects, like you're saying, were pretty good. I mean, they're good and for a TV show. Um, for a TV show, yeah, yeah, and and, and scary and scary yeah, enough. Yeah, scary enough. Um, and it, there's many things that are going to happen later on, but um, I thought especially um, the whole with the the possessed body from the 
oh, Foreigners that was van. That was beat. I loved that beat. That was I was that was pretty impressive. Good good work. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that was a little. I mean, to me, that was such a little nod to Evil Dead too, <laughs> as well. <laughs> uh, Evil Dead. It was just like the way the possession was there, and the way it, like her body looked like on the on the as she like all kind of melted into the car. Yeah, it was pretty pretty gross, but very Evil Dead ish. So, and then at the at the same time, I felt like some of the effects didn't feel like things have progressed much since Buffy. Um, and well, they did, but I also, you know what, there because this is such a darker storyline, part of me was wondering if they're kind of deliberately cheesing it up a little bit to make it uh, a little less scary, maybe. Um, but that's maybe hard to tell. Could be. I mean, it's interesting. It's kind of holding that X-Files time, um, uh, time slot, that Friday evening slot, uh, even though it's on network TV, I, I hope they do push the limits a little bit here. Um, so, you know, I, ha- I haven't seen Flash yet. I have it downloaded, and I'm, I'm going on a, a trip. I to- I have not seen it either. So maybe you and I will both watch it and and come back with some commentary on it. Yeah, so I think we should compare how it ranks up against Flash because I have I've heard, heard good, things. good things. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it's a lot more fun. Yeah. Um, so on this spectrum of fun and serious, where Gotham might be on one end, very serious and very intense rock music with a lot of bass, mm-hmm. and then uh, the Flash, which we have you and I have yet to see. I think this probably falls a little bit more in the middle. Right. I, I think I, I like you. I'm disappointed. It's not pushing things a little bit and being more true to this character in terms of his sexuality as well as um, some of the the darkness of this character. At the same time, I'm, I was very surprised at how much I actually enjoyed this, and I thought it did some great world building in the pilot episode. Yeah. So Bill hated this, this show, by the way. Really? <laughs> he what, what did he it. hate about it? He, you know what? He never liked Buffy. He doesn't like... He doesn't like Monster of the Week shows. Um, He kept being like, this is horrible, which I'm just like, be quiet so I can watch it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) See, I don't like monster shows either, and that's probably eventually why I got turned off to um, to Gotham, and you know that was uh, we got from the Elder Geek. We got a great email a few weeks ago about um, why he didn't like Smallville, and he thought Gotham should win that crossover. And it was about how how that show felt so um, uh, targeted towards teenagers, and it didn't really appeal as much um, across the whole age spectrum. Hmm. And I think over here, you know, I'm not a Monster of the Geek guy or Monster of the Week guy either, but this, you, there's something... You are, that, however, a Monster of the Geek guy. I am a Monster of the Geek guy, yeah. To say. Uh, and w- whatever that would be. I don't know what a Monster of the Geek... A big, you know, I don't know, jock with a football that explodes. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I think over here... I am drawn to this show. It's less about the monsters as much as it is about the this lead character, Constantine. I, I find this character interesting and I want to know more about him. I, I really want to know what his relationship is with that, uh, quote, guardian angel and, mm-hmm. and what's going on here in the past. So um, for me, this is something I am going to be picking up. Um, at least I'm going to give it five episodes. Cool. Um, I, I agree. I'm going to give it a few more. Admittedly, as we discussed, I'm disappointed with what they did with Liv. Um, and even if she was sort of a write-off character, I still feel like they could have treated her a little better um, yeah. in a lot of ways because, um, and and maybe I'm overly sensitive to this just because of what he said about um, Constantine's sexuality and the treatment in the show. But it was like, oh, great. So you said that. And then this is the pretty much the only female character you're really showing. Yeah. And that's a little concerning. But I will, given how cool the character that they introduced at the end is, hopefully they will treat her well. So I will I will reserve judgment until we see the next one. Let's um, hope Zed is going to be better. And yeah. let's hope uh, Goyer doesn't fall into his uh, She-Hulk female yeah. character hating yeah. stuff. Um, so it's yeah, something like I, sounds like you're giving it a chance. I'm giving it a chance. I, I mean, you know, I always think it's tough because, like, as we said when we were watching Gotham, they try to cram a ton in to hook in the audience to give a lot of that exposition of the character I do feel like they they gave some of that here for him, 
But they still left some mysteries, like who the heck is Manny? Why does he have this guardian angel? What is the real history here? Uh, and they hinted at a lot of stuff with Astra, the little girl. Um, and That's the thing, Conrad. I don't think there was that much of an exposition dump here. I think it was. Uh, it it felt much more wide open. No, I think it felt a lot wider open than than Gotham did, most certainly. So, Absolutely. in any case, I'm I'm willing to give them a shot. So. So yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, you know, it's going to be fun to do an episode in a few months looking back at all these new shows and see what we continued to watch and what we didn't. Right. Um, and see how, how they all fared uh, cool. mid-season and going into the sweeps. Um, uh, all well, right. Well, on that note, are you ready to enter into the Infinite Crossover Chamber? Let's do it. Let's open up the doors of that infinite crossover chamber. Humans will perish. Nice. <laughs> I don't know what that was. That I was, was trying a to be a scary good, uh, Was that supposed to be Nergal the demon? Yeah, uh, yeah that's yeah, exactly. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going for. So, so who do we have in the crossover chamber today, and what is the question? The question and the characters that have been booted up into our crossover chamber this week include Constantine slash Constantine, <laughs> depending on your uh, your preference there. Every as time, well as- every time you say it incorrectly, a demon a demon comes gets out. Wings. No, a demon comes <laughs> out from under the earth to take over somebody. Okay, so, so maybe I should stop doing that because there's a lot of people here in New York. Um, versus uh, Ripley from the Alien franchise. Now, the question, uh, dear listeners, on this week's episode is magic or might, what power would you choose to fight off monsters? So we wanted to do a bit of a fantasy sci-fi battle royale here. And when it comes to monsters in the sci-fi universe, uh, no one is more of a monster hunter than Ripley. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just going to say it right here. She's a badass. Now, at the same time, Constantine is a <laughs> Constantine or time is a character um, who is much beloved in comics and there is definitely the focus of this episode and um greater interest in this character so might or magic is what we're debating here and it could Uh, be might or occult which i guess is the same thing so sorcery if you will it's in the realm of uh magicians uh utilities so conrad opening salvo in this crossover um arguments please well so I guess my question for you is, what kind of a monster are we going against? Are we going against the aliens? Or are we is this just a general monster that we don't really know much about? I think it's got to be a hybrid creature here. Maybe mm. it is. Um, so, you you know, what's the old saying? Like, um, some. okay, I'm just going to butcher this. But it's some saying, like, if you don't understand something, you it, uh, magic might be used as an explanation. No, that's a horrible way of explaining. <laughs> like, it, it, things that are very much unknown and we don't yet understand based on science and things like that, they can seem magical. Um so if you take something like the Xenomorph from uh, the Alien franchise, there's as- aspects of it that could seem magical, like the acid blood and stuff like that. So I think we're talking about some creature that has some abilities that we don't understand, and it's ambiguous if this is a part of that creature's natural abilities or if it's dipping into the realm of the supernatural. Okay. Um I'm just in in thinking about and and I guess we should use the the Constantine from the show from what you have seen because that's all you really have to go with. Sure, you can you know we can um, turn up the knobs a little bit if you want to bring in a little bit of the comic for fun. Uh, it's an infinite you know, crossover. I, I think just generally in a situation, um, I feel like like the person using magic and sorcery tends to get held up. Because it's like, you have to remember the incantation. As we know from Harry Potter, there's like, uh, there are certain ways you have to say things. Um, there are certain Expelli tools. Armus. That's right, the only right. thing Harry Potter ever asked me <laughs> <I know>. um, <laughs> But, you know, there's an inflection. There's all this stuff going on. Um, under pressure, I think that those are a lot of details to, to have in place. 
And, you know, you don't know what the monster's vulnerabilities are going to be. Um, so I feel like I have to be on the side of Ripley here because she doesn't really know generally what she's going up against. She just knows that she's going to kill it. And See, I'm, s- I'm so surprised by this. This is not where I thought you'd be aligning yourself here. Um, and I completely disagree with you. All right. That's okay. I completely disagree with you. Uh, but go for it. Okay. Why, why Ripley? Um, because, okay, so she's thrown into situations generally where she, at least in the first film, didn't know the rules, figures out what these things are, and comes up with ingenious ways to kill them or blow them up or whatever, or use giant, you know, moving devices <laughs> to throw them out of airlocks. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, she, she uses ingenuity, she uses wit, and she she uses those things around her. She's a little bit of the Jackie Chan of monster killers here. Sure. Um, she she's you know improvising with the with the things that are around. Um, and I feel like with magic, you really have to. It's 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 helpful, but it's only helpful if you have the huge base of knowledge and can pull out that tiny sliver of knowledge in that moment to banish that particular demon or monster. Sure. Now. Here's the thing with Ripley that I agree with you on. Um, Ripley was not trained to be an assassin. Ripley was on this ship for other reasons and just happened to, we just happened to realize that she's a total badass and one of the greatest characters in all of science fiction Um, until she dies and is resurrected and we don't have to worry about that though Um, so Ripley is awesome completely agree with you the thing for me if I was choosing to fight off a monster I would definitely go the route of magic now I agree with you magic does require lots of training you, you you know, depending on what type of school you went to, maybe it's seven years, maybe it's less time than that, maybe it's more. But you have to learn incant- incantations, you have to have the right wand, you have to know exactly what to do against, uh, to solve the problem that you face. But I think there's such a higher ceiling when you're dealing with magic. Now, a little bit of training, and you can start levitating things, opening and closing things, a lot more training, and now the powers really open wide up. And whether we're talking about um, magic in, in terms of Merlin and Harry Potter and, and those genres, or we're talking about magic in terms of the Force and Star Wars... <laughs> I don't know, Ollie. I don't There's know. There's so much more you can do, Conrad. There's so Maybe, much more but only you can if you do. use it properly. And I kind of am going back to our conversation last week where we were saying, yeah, we would all bite it. Um, we would not be chosen for the zombie squad um, to, to, to take care of these things because we are genetically predisposed to die um, just with our, our weaknesses, specifically with you and me, our weak vision. Um, <laughs> but, you know, my concern... Oh, we would be so dead in those. I know, but my concern with you, Ollie, is that, you know, I feel like you'd have a spell and you'd somehow manage to, like, curse your toe off or something like that. No, no, Conrad. Mm, like, one no. of the basic spells, basic spells they learn at Hogwarts is Levioso, right? Yep. Um, now, if Ripley Leviosa. had that... Levi- whatever. So maybe this is backing up your point, but that is beyond the point. So if, if um, had the ability to levitate that xenomorph, game over. Done. Like levitate that thing, open up an airlock, throw it out there, and you're done. And that's such a basic spell. Now imagine what you could do with, uh, with a fully trained, fully operational wizard. So much more. So much more power. There is a much, much higher ceiling and greater range of abilities if you go magic oh i don't know because okay so in addition i know we're talking about ripley versus constantine here but buffy also didn't really use i mean she had friends that used magic and such but she was generally just she had some some speed and some extra strength and acrobatic abilities but she managed to kill off a lot of baddies that way uh Yes. Uh, so you're saying uh, Buffy's all about might. She's more about might than than other characters. So I don't know. I, I kind of feel like the magic is a crutch only because you can make, I don't know. I, I feel like it's the, it's an easier way to do things, maybe. 
Um, An easier I, way to do things in some ways because you can solve that problem, and I'll, I'll grant you that. But I feel like it's also much easier to mess up. I don't know if Ripley would have been able to do much against that demon in this pilot episode unless she had that a, a giant like. Uh, I think that demon would have just fallen to her feet because it would have been in sheer awe of the fact that it was there dealing with Ellen Ripley. Just saying. Well, that's what would happen to you and me. I think that's for sure. Yeah, clearly, well, clearly. <laughs> dear listeners, let us know um, what power you would prefer, magic or might. And let's just pretend that magic is this because that's the thing is my side uh, is not actually a real thing. <laughs> Spoiler alert. So, uh, nice. Let us know. <laughs> let us know. Um, who you think would win, and what power you would like. So with that, let's close up the infinite crossover chamber. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, it's, it's been a while, so I thought I'd bring it back. Um, and let's venture into our top five monster hunters. Um, Conrad, how did you come about um, developing your list? I picked my top five monster hunters. <laughs> okay. That's a bit of a... Uh, as my buddy Lone Baumgart would say, a bit of a tautology. Um, so, um, I, what, you know, what I, is it about these? These, um, the, these particular choices, I, I went, I went pretty deep into my history of of loving things like this. Um, so, I picked some good, some some good things, some possibly surprising choices. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I think probably you'll know some of them, and you probably already have called me out on a few of them. But um, I, we should mention, once again, that, that Ripley will not be in this top five. Clearly, she is the most amazing monster hunter of all time, but she was in the crossover. <laughs> uh, and Constantine, since we discussed the show, will not be in it either. Yep. Um, well, okay, let me let me start things off. Um, how I chose my list is really what I could think of in five minutes before we started recording. So this, some might say this is the most pure list um, and the most honest and authentic list uh, that Ali Matu will be de- 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 debuting on this show. <laughs> um, so let's go with that. Uh, my number five is Blade. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, from the uh, late 1990s. Um, film as well as the comic although I did not read the comic it's a Marvel comic Um, so on this list for a number of reasons number one Wesley Snipes is awesome in this movie Um, and also Blade as a film was one of the first uh, Marvel films to come out after their horrible films from from a previous generation. Um, I think this character is great. Um, definitely fades off, and the qualities of the films fade with the sequels. But the original Blade, I think, is just really an awesome movie about a guy hunting vampires. Yeah, um, he was in my honorable mentions. Cool. Um, what do you got for number five? Uh, for number five, I have Scully and Mulder. Oh, X-Files. Yep. Um, you know, they definitely, it, there was the skeptic and the believer, but they, they definitely tracked down those things that were, went bump in the night, um, in addition to tracking down conspiracy theories and such. Um, they, I felt like they had to be in here. That's a good pick. They're not an obvious pick as a, as a monster hunter, but you're right. They so often hunted monsters, so I like that. Right. I mean, they did not always vanquish them, and, no. and but they they tried to discover the truth about them. And, and, you know, there were definitely some episodes where they discovered the monsters weren't what they thought they were. Yeah. Um, so that was, uh, that was my number five. Cool. What do you got for number four? Um, my number four, going way, way back, is Beowulf. Oh, wow. That's a... Uh, it's surprising at first and then immediately clear. Of That's course. an immediately obvious pick. That's a good pick. Um, and I, you know, I had... Uh, <laughs> I had a cat named Beowulf growing up, which tells you how weird of a child I was. Um, I also had a cat named Grendel. Um, And my brother currently has a cat named Grendel. So, you know. You're such a nerd. I I know. I am such a nerd. Such a nerd. Um, Although I think I have to blame Grendel. Grendel was the original, and that was uh, 
that that I can blame on my father. Uh, so so <laughs> the the fault lies with him. He got me started on all this stuff pretty early. Um, and I do remember like him. He, I don't know how he. I guess he told us like a synopsis of this story because if you actually read. Um, the Beowulf. It's pretty rough reading. Have you ever read it? The, the yeah, book? Yeah, in school. Yeah. yeah. So, in middle um, school, I think. It's, you know, depending on the, the translation. And um, there was a really good one by Seamus Haney. Did you get to read that one? I don't remember what version I read. Yeah. Um, he did a great um, interpretation. So that's the one I, that is currently my favorite translation. He did a little bit with what Fitzgerald did. Um, in terms of uh, translating Homer, which is he tried to make it a little bit more, not poetic, but the the more um, not necessarily direct translation, but tried to get the, the ideas across in a little bit more of a poetic way. So now, did you ever see the Star Trek Voyager episode? Uh, yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. I did. And did you ever see that weird uh, 3D animated yeah, which was, was really weird. strange. It had that whole uncanny valley. <laughs> yeah, thing it was a little too the, creepy. It was a little creepy. The humanness of it. Yeah, I'm so glad we're not really doing the, that stuff. Yeah, too yeah, much. that was people a, realize that was wow. a hard one to watch. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. Pick. So that is my number four. My number four is uh, Riddick from Pitch Black. Oh, he was on my honorable mention. Oh, cool. Good, good, good. Um, now, Riddick has, as a franchise, um, you know, the Chronicles of Riddick wasn't really that great. And uh, they came out with another film last year, which I didn't have the heart to see because it got poor reviews. But the original Pitch Black film, where we first see this character, Riddick, played by Vin Diesel, is a really great sci-fi horror film um, where he basically plays this individual who um, is hunting these monsters in Pitch Black. Um, I really like that film. It's a great, simple film his character was pretty iconic and pretty interesting. The monsters are cool and interesting. It's just a fun uh, sci-fi popcorn horror film. Um, so I, it was really memorable p- to me, and that's why it's on my uh, top five. All right. That's good. Cool. What do you got uh, for your number three? Um, my number three is Quint from Jaws. Oh. Well, okay. Interesting. Um Okay, go for it, uh, and then I'll respond. Whoa, did you pick somebody? Yes, I did. From Jaws? Yes, I did. Uh, did you pick Roy Scheider's character? I did. I picked I pick Brody from Jaws as my number one. Ooh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad we're in line with this. <laughs> I mean, Quint, he's a weird character. He's a memorable character. He's an awesome um, character. He is an amazing character. Um, there is some, I know a little bit too much about Jaws, Um clearly uh, but um he he was really just this the minute he came up on scene uh played by robert shaw of course um he just took over every single scene he was in yeah um yeah. and he in that movie is the teacher and he is talking about all these things and he's a little bit of the uh, cassandra in this film because he's telling them all this stuff about the sharks and you know they kind of want they kind of want to like not believe him or you know you've got the Richard Dreyfuss character in there that is is you know um um who plays uh Dr. Hooper Mm -hmm. he's like I'm gonna go there into the water into the shark cage and Quint's like I wouldn't do that (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and there's lots of stuff like that that go on um he is just this fantastic character and he improvises a lot of things within this film as well. Um, so I just, I felt like he belonged in there. Agreed. He did not successfully destroy the monster. Um, but, but the, he did track it down eventually. Well, and that's why Roy Schneider's, uh, or Roy Schneider's, uh, Brody was my number one. Um, I've got a lot of, uh, appreciation for this film. And one of the reasons why I had to have a character from Jaws on here is, uh, because the film, um, <laughs> film led to my phobia of Jaws, or uh, not sharks. of Jaws, of sharks. Uh, my genuine, real phobia of sharks. Uh, I just started a couple of new, um, uh, group therapy groups this week at work 
for treating anxiety. And I, I share the story with my group about how I developed a phobia of sharks because I watched Jaws and it's a phobia that spread to being in open water um, and how I eventually ended up treating it. Um, but it's it's a film that really lived on in my mind. And I think the these characters, these monster hunters, if Jaws is the ultimate monster, I think these hunters are the ultimate monster hunters. And they're just just the bravery that the, these individuals have in the face of this um, uncertain threat is is fantastic. Um, what a great movie. We talked about it back in our summer blockbuster episode. And uh, I'm glad it came up in both of our lists. It's it's great film. Yeah. Um, so that leaves us with my number three, which is uh, a trio of characters. Harry, Ron, and Hermione from Ooh. Harry Potter. Um, now they're you not... Know, you know, I didn't... Uh, I did not put them in just because we had had a whole episode on them. But good job. I thought if we we're bringing Jaws back, we can bring a little okay. Harry Potter back. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, these are, aren't characters necessarily that are hunting a monster unless you define he who must not be named, Voldemort, as a monster. But um, mm, they're did, characters- you kill, did they kill a troll? Well, that's the thing. There's trolls, these giant spiders. There are dragons. Mm-hmm. There are all sorts of really interesting monsters in the Harry Potter stories. And especially in the books, they're done in a, in a bit more vivid way. And what I like about choosing the trio as, uh, as monster hunters is um, I like their approach. And I like what each individual brings. You know, Hermione bringing the knowledge and the experience and the, the book skills. And Harry, who's really kind of epitomizing the, the, the bravery here. And Ron with the heart. I think the three, the three of them work so well as a team and represent these virtues that um, all of us can uh, can look upon for kind of inspiration. So I I really love the the three of them together, um, and I, I I love the series a lot, and I thought they're fantastic monster hunters. Yeah, did you see that uh, J.K. is coming out with another short? I think around she's Halloween? coming out with so much stuff. It's kind of you know, we, weird. I'm kind of we like I don't know that. I don't know what I think about this, but anyway, you know, not I don't mean a, to digress, but. Wow, we had a great debate on our episode about uh, um, J.K. Rowling versus uh, George Lucas in controlling a media empire, and I keep thinking about that debate, Conrad, because uh, there's a lot happening in the Harry uh-huh. Potter world right now. Um, so, what's your number two? Um, my number two is Buffy and uh, her, of course her, it is. her consorts. Um, the Scooby Gang. The Scooby Gang, which actually leads me to the Scooby Gang, which should be mentioned as well uh since they are definitely monster hunters this oh yeah (laughs) seriously um but you know buffy kind of took this genre they they were cheesy they were kitschy but um a lot of good stuff within this stuff i know this is seriously i know a lot of people that don't like this show but as any listener of the show knows it's near and dear to my heart. Um, it has its own flaws, um, and it does have a, a Monster of the Week thing going on a lot of the time. But um, I think at the time, um, and what they were doing with the show was very groundbreaking in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, it, and in terms know, of Monster Hunters, like they have it all. They're very versatile as a it's group. It's in the title. Yeah, it's in the title. Yep. So, um, so pretty cool. Um, I, I don't know Buffy as well as you do, and I've, I haven't seen all the episodes, but I, I think it, Buffy, um, as a character, belongs on this show, and uh, or on this list, I should say, and uh, I'm, I'm surprised it's not your number one, honestly. Eh, I, you know what? There's enough issues that I have with it, and I couldn't make her my number one monster hunter. Okay. Um, yeah. Just saying. Interesting. Well, um, I only have one more reveal to make since uh, since uh, I stole since I stole your glory. <laughs> yes. Um, so my number two, <laughs> I went back and forth on this, and um, we talked about uh, our top five. Is monsters. it is it is it Jonas Salk because he killed the monstrous? Sorry. No. No, no. We, so we talked about our top five monsters in our Godzilla episode, and um, this monster appeared. Uh, the, the monster that this hunter hunts appeared on that list, so I thought it would be fitting to bring back this film. So my number two is Dutch, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger in Predator. Wait, wait, wait. You said we couldn't. <laughs> 
do that from that list. I avoided these things from that list. Okay. Well, I I, confu- I got super confused because I thought we we're doing demons, okay. ghouls, and all that. And uh, so I I made up these rules and then I broke them, which is apparently a nerd hour thing to do. Um, but I I really I really like this movie a lot. Um, Predator was one of those monsters that uh, really was a big part of my childhood. I've seen this film so many times. Uh, do I think Arnold Schwarzenegger is a particularly good actor? No, not really. You love he- you love Jesse Ventura. I know you do. Well, you know, I <laughs> I I like this '80s genre. The '80s genre of action films are so over the top. So. You know, everything on steroids, they're not subtle, they're intense. And for that genre, Arnold Schwarzenegger was really the best. And I think this was one of the best monsters of that era. Um, So it's such a fun film to watch and enjoy. So that's why he was my number two. And of course, my number one was Roy Scheider's uh, Brody from Jaws. So that leaves us with your number one, Conrad. Well, my number one is Hellboy because... Not only is he a monster hunter, but he's also, you know, a demon from hell. And so I think that that's a pretty cool thing. Um, He goes out. He takes care of business. uh, He has a lot of pet cats. You know, he's he's an interesting character. um, And he played by the wonderful Ron, uh, Ron Perlman. Yeah, Ron Perlman. Who just um, came out with a book, actually. There's a whole interview with him on The Nerdist. Yeah, I just checked that out. Uh, uh, which was like, okay, interesting. <laughs> um, but he's an he's interesting all into, guy. He's all into heroes now and how we don't have heroes in society. Which I don't I don't agree with him on that. I don't agree with that either. But, you know, it's an interesting interview. Check that out on Nerdist. Um, um, that's a good pick. Um, and also a film that had a pretty good sequel, if I remember Well, correctly. there's also a, a graphic novel and comic well, yeah, series, yeah. which is more where I'm pulling from. Although I agree, it was, it was, good, it was a good film series. So, yeah, so that, that is my top five. Um, I had a few in the, the honorable mentions. Ghostbusters. Um, Ghostbusters, Blade, yep. Riddick. Um, also had Bayonetta. I don't know if you're familiar with that video game series. She's pretty no, cool. I'm not. Yeah. She's pretty awesome. Um I also had Daryl and Michonne because I yeah. you know, I couldn't put Daryl as number one two weeks in a row. <laughs> so uh but clearly they are monster hunters. Um and Alice from uh the uh why is this you know Alice in Wonderland? No, no, no. Alice. It's the uh uh the the zombie uh film. That's based on... 28 Days video. Later. No. Um, Zombieland. No. Why am I, like... Well, while you're looking that up... Um, uh, Resident I Evil. Ghost- Resident Evil. Oh, why? Resident Evil, of course. That just so. went totally out of my mind for the moment. Um, and the reason why she's not on my main list is because, uh, like, they're, they're popcorn films. She's not my... I think that they were fun to watch, and it's fun to watch her kicking, you know, undead butt, but... I think it's, they're honestly better uh, games. Than yeah, own. yeah, agreed, agreed. So anyway, uh, that's that's what I have. My honorable mention is very short and sweet, Ghostbusters, um, and I put it on an honorable mention just because I've only recently seen the film, as uh, everyone likes to remind me. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's on there, as well as uh, The Doctor from Doctor Who. Oh, that's He's good. Const- He's constantly encountering monsters and really interesting yeah, ones. Yeah, but he's not really hunting them. Well, he's not hunting them, and that's why he's honorable mention, and the doctor wouldn't necessarily hunt things as much as he would save things that are being hunted, but um, I thought he he's somewhere in that Venn diagram. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll give it yeah. to you. The TARDIS is always the middle of every diagram. I know. Of every Venn diagram, so I think the doctor kind of gets to gets He gets to around. This. He gets around. Yeah. So right. uh, that's our that's our kind of Halloween uh, spooky episode. We weren't really too scary here, but <laughs> we did. Uh, oh, oh there, there's a note from the peanut gallery here, by the way. Oh, Nick from Grimm is what he huh. said, which okay. I guess he's right. But yeah, I don't know I, that I, he would make my top five. Well, speaking um, of that. And then there's the, you know, that show Supernatural, which I'm not personally a fan of i know a lot of people are i've tried to get into it and i just i just cannot have you ever watched it i have not and that's because this is not my genre Mm. really 
So I I haven't seen it. Um, It might be good. Who knows? Um, But listeners, uh, we would love to hear from you. Um, What did you think of Constantine? Or is it Constantine? Let us know. Um, What power would you pick, magic or might? And who are your favorite monster hunters? Uh, You can reach this show on Twitter, at NerdHour. We also have a fancy-wancy website, which is at uh, superfantasticnerdhour.com. Who are you, me? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, And then we can be reached by email at uh, info at superfantasticnerdhour.com. Conrad, what are we talking about next week? Next week? I have no idea what we're talking about. What are we talking about next week? I think we're talking about Birdman. (laughs) Ah, yes, we are talking about Birdman. It is quite late. (laughs) Ali, you know, my brain takes a nap at some point. This is Drew. The later uh, our podcast goes <laughs> Sometimes during the show. Um, only well, only when doing commentary on Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for you diehard fans, uh, go back, re-listen to that episode, and notice the 20 minutes when Conrad didn't say a word. Uh, she was actually resting her mind. So, um, uh, Conrad, where can people find you on the internet this week when you're uh, not On sleeping? the interwebs, I'm on Twitter at DiePrince. And on the other podcast, uh, you you heard our friend Stuart join us last week. So it's reanimatedpodcast.com. And on Twitter, we are reanimatedpcast. That's right. And I am, as always, the science fiction psychologist at braindosebetter.com, where I'm talking about the psychology of science fiction. And you can find me on Twitter at alimatu. That's A-L-I-M-A-T-T-U. Rhymes with nice to meet you. And Did you really just say that? No, no, actually this uh uh a guy who actually became my friend in high school came up to me one day, um didn't know who he was and he said, "Did you know Alima too rhymes with how are you and nice to meet you?" And I said, "No, I didn't know that." <laughs> And now I cannot unhear that. Oh, no. Hear my name. So um, with that, thanks for joining us this week, folks. We will be back next week for our first episode in November of the year 2014. And until then, live long and prosper. Indeed. Indeed.